Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott Score Podcast. And today I'm joined by the one and only David Welsh. David, how are we? I'm okay, Scott. How are you? I'm very well, mate. What do you think, mate? Do you like my, my suntan? Been sitting out in the sun today? Looking good? Mate, I'm so jealous. I've been inside <laughs> all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, See, I bet when I go out... Well. <laughs> I bet when I go out, the sun will disappear. It's just what happens, so... <laughs> <laughs> just chill up, mate. Just chill up, man. But always, I think also, mate, you can always use that fake tan, you know? Be a spice boy. <laughs> Oh, come on, I'm not, I'm not Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you don't want to like be like that. I like being white. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we'll dive right into it, David, and we'll talk about the old firm game from the weekend, the Scottish Cup, fourth round, Rangers beat Celtic 2-0, and yet again, mate, Rangers beat Celtic comfortably. Mate, I was so... I said before the game to a friend, if Rangers start out being passive like they have in the last two firms, they will lose. I confer- I can safely say I would say they would lose because the last two firms, they've been passive. And I, we've probably been quite lucky to get the three points in each time. So I was when I saw that, there was determination. In literally the first two minutes of the game, I knew that this was going to be a different game than the other two, even though we won them. And see the things as well, see during the week, actually, John Kennedy came out and said, that he, th- he still thinks Celtic are the best team in the country. Uh, it's even the Rangers players seen that. Like, you seen what Bonabaric said in his press conference. He was like, that's the biggest joke I've heard all year. The Rangers players and Stephen Gerrard heard that, like, you know what? We're going to prove to you that you aren't. We're the champions, right? We're the best team in the country for a reason. And we showed that on Sunday against Celtic. Like, we, we were so comfortable, we were so confident. And then see when the first goal went in, and we need to talk about the first goal, David. Like, unbelievable, right? See, Ayer, right? Remember when Ayer took out Kent? I was watching it with my uncle. My uncle was crying, Phil, Phil, pull that back. And I'm like, no, play advantage, play advantage, right? Then Joe Aribo, um, no, but Morelos plays a short pass to Joe Aribo. Joe Aribo turns, Elanousi, Joe Aribo is phenomenal, right? But we, we will get to that. Joe Aribo turns Elanousi, right? Goes for the shot, comes off the Celtic defender, lands at Stephen Davis. Stephen Davis scores an overhead kick at 36 years old, madness. It was it was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, 36-year-old Stephen Davis, it's, honestly, it still looks like he's in his prime. I think he's, this has been probably one of the best years of his life, like beating the all-time British cap, winning Rangers to 55, and now at 36, scoring the first goal to reach the Scottish Cup and ending Celtic's dominance in that cup. Honestly, it's unbelievable. And I've just got to say as well, as much as the ref gets some amount of stick, which sometimes is rightly, rightly fair, the ref playing advantage there was incredible refereeing. Because I was like you, I was like, I was like, I thought the free, I thought it was going to be a hundred percent free kick because usually the refs up here don't play advantage like that. And the fact you did that and Joe Rebo, there's a reason why he could be Michael Jackson's backup dancer. The man's oh, yeah. feet just <laughs> the man's feet just oh, moves man. different. Moonwalking. <laughs> <laughs> but you see that his, his legs are so long, he's like a he's like a spider. So yes. Yeah, he's so because he's not blessed with pace, but the way he can move his feet, he just gets that extra yard. And the way he just done Laxo, he, he may as well have like like unlimited pace and if on FIFA, like he's incredible. Like he he was a standout because this season there's been like he's been inconsistent for Rangers, 
like and when he's shown up he's shown up but sometimes his act is lazy and this was a big test for Joe Rebo and honestly he passed with flying colours this man he's still so young I know crazy <laughs> he's still so young and you know the thing though about it as well is the fact that there was a lot of questions about Joe Rebo going into Old Firm games like oh he doesn't really turn up in Old Firm games but seeing Sunday he was the best player in the park oh yeah I mean I, I could probably pick three three or four players that were just incredible. Um, oh, yeah, tell me about it. Joe Rebo, Stephen Davis. Nathan Parson. Nathan, I would say Nathan, Nathan Parson. One mistake. Oh. That, like, that pass yeah, back. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. So, like, the, the pass back to the defence, uh, which we will come to uh, quite soon. Yeah. But that was the only mistake he made on the day. But yeah. like, Joe Rebo, technically, he's just so like sublime. So he is like, just so good in the ball, great at taking players on. Like he's got a great, he's got great confidence about him. Uh, and the thing is, always well, he can. He's very versatile in the sense of that he can play in the midfield and he can play out right. And at first, when he came to Rangers, we were playing him out right. Never forget it when we started him in the Celtic game in 2019 with the beaters 2-0, where Aribo was out right, and we're like, what is that all about? And it didn't work. But obviously, Michael Beal and Stephen Gerrard, Gary McAllister and the coaching staff have been working on trying to improve him in that position. And now you're like seeing the re- rewards off it now, like him down in the right-hand side. Would you say that's his best position now? No, I would probably say I would prefer him in midfield, to be fair. But obviously, out in the right, I like him there. But right, Nathan Patterson just looks so confident going forward. And it's mental to think that he's 19 years old, right? And the chance he had, he was just bombing down that right-hand side, taking players on. He has zero fear about him, mate. Like, zero fear whatsoever. Do you think Steven Gerrard will have a headache going forward? Because James Tavernier being injured and Nathan Patterson taking the opportunity like he has, I can't see a game where they, like, I wish both of them would play. <laughs> I know, 100%, yeah. <laughs> I know, like, definitely, like, put James Tav, uh, like, uh, up at the right-hand side and have Nathan Patterson right back. You know, like, <laughs> it's not... Stephen Gerrard definitely, definitely has a, head, a headache, that's for sure. Because, like, when J- James Samner got injured, Nathan Patterson was obviously not the team due to what happened with the COVID thing. And that was a big chance for him. But then he came back in the side and he came back in the game uh, against... Royal Antwerp, right? 16 seconds on the party scores and he made a real statement. You know, it was it was brilliant. And as you said, yes, he, Stephen Gerrard definitely has a headache and sees uh, James Tavernier when he was in the stands watching Nathan Patterson. He was probably thinking like, God, man, how am I going to get back in this team with Nathan, pa- Nathan Patterson just flying right now? It's just, it's so difficult because even Gerrard said he's one of the most promising fullbacks he's seen. Imagine Steven Gerrard saying that to you. Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah, like, I just, you know, just like it'll go like over your head, but see Nathan Patterson, see after what happened with the, the whole COVID thing. I think his, I think that's been a big wake up call for him. He's realized, yeah. right, I can't do the stuff I was doing like when I was like a dafty, you know. I, yeah. I need to grow up a bit now. I'm playing for Rangers Football Club, the biggest club in Scotland, the champions of Scotland. I need to be a professional and not do stuff like that so I, I imagine Gerard behind the scenes gave him a real good bollocking you know but when Gerard's saying something like that about you that that is 
truly something special. <laughs> We've got Scotland have something special in their hands. And do you think he'll be on the plane in the summer? I really do hope so. Um, he's been given a... You know, I think the verdict came out today, actually, for the, the Rangers COVID-5. They've been given four games, a four-game ban and two suspended. So they have. Right. So I don't know how that plays into like international games. Um, but yeah. if, if it was up to me, Nathan Patterson, yes, 110%. Should be on that plane for the Euros. Yes, he should be in that Scotland squad because he is our best right back. Like, I, I would love for one of the, list, the one of the listeners to get in touch with me and tell me who is better. I am not having this pattern that Stephen O'Donnell is better. Stephen O'Donnell is <laughs> decent for Motherwell, but you try to tell me Nathan Patterson, right, who's 19 years old, who scored in the last 32 of the Europa League ever since he's been in the Rangers team this season. Has played well. I've not seen the guy have a bad game once. He's fearless. You would you would think, David, you would think he's been playing for about 15 years at the top level in Scotland. Like genuinely, you would think that. But he's only 19. He's like just think how good he's going to be if we protect him and coach him right the way we are doing right now. How good he will be at the age of 24. It's frightening. Scotland are blessed with fullbacks. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, I can't 100%, mate. Like. Like we've got something special on our hands here, and I imagine people down south, like clubs in England, will be definitely looking at Nathan Patterson, and understandably so. And I think a lot of teams down south will be looking at our squad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's that's for sure, you know. And then the second goal comes around. Um, Joe Rebo, as we were saying, uh, <laughs> Michael Jackson esque. Like he was running, just twisting and turning. He was running rings round Laxell down the right hand side. It's a low cross into the box, and Celtic's right back Kenny puts it into his own net. <laughs> At first, I thought Ryan Kent scored it, but <laughs> then obviously it turned out to be an own goal. Yeah, I thought Ryan Kent scored it too, but then when I saw Ryan Kent not celebrate like he always does against Celtic, yeah, I was like, okay, it's been an own goal, but. Amazing feat again from Aribo. Like, yeah, he he could easily be easily one of my man. He's definitely one of my man matches. For my sure. man match, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just it's just amazing feat. And that was at a point where I, I probably said like the I probably say the first twenty minutes was Rangers purely in control. Then I would say Celtic started to get into it a little bit, and the fact that. Celtic started to get into it a little bit, and then Rangers did that. That just shoots so much confidence down Celtic's throat. And after that goal, I really thought, honestly, Rangers could score two or three, four after this. I really thought they could have. No, like, you know, 100%, yeah, because the way it was going, you know. But see, when that second goal went in, I, I, that's why I was thinking, right, that's it. I think game's done. Like as you said, like Celtic's confidence will be like down the tubes now, you know. But then the second half started. To be fair, Celtic came right out the trap, so they did. Like right from kickoff, they just went right up the park, and David Tumble had a shot from a long range, which uh, Alan McGregor saved. You know, because I can imagine Celtic were like, right, we're fighting for our lives here. We're fighting for our careers at Celtic. We need to go for this now. Um. And to be fair, as you said, David, like they did have that kind of spell, especially in the second half, they were where they were really pushing us, and we were sitting back, and they were they were creating chances. 
And we will come to the <laughs> Edward. We will come to Edward. Um, <laughs> what do you make of that setup, by the way? Jesus, like the volley. Oh, what was that all about? Like, honestly, God, like it was. Like, oh, like, on, see when that happened, I was like, oh my God, this is going to go in. Then he does that, and I'm like, we've got away with that completely. Do you know what I don't, I don't get? People, I saw um, some Celtic fans defending him on Twitter, saying that the ball was behind him. If you actually look at it, it literally comes to him. I, why does he hit it with his ankle? Like, what is he trying to do? I know. Like, mate, do you know what, what I was saying to my uncle when I was watching? I was like... That's something you would do at five a sides with your pals for a laugh. <laughs> Not in a no fun game. Like like you obviously we've all played five a side, right? David, like see when you're having a laugh with your pals in that, right? And you've got like an open goal basically. You, you know, something you would do, you'd be like, oh, I'm gonna try yeah. to backflick or whatever. It, that's what it, it, that's what Edward done. Like it, it, like see the way Edward performed that game and just by him doing that, that just shows he did not care at all. I think his I think his Celtic career's done. Like his body language the whole game was disgusting. Like, see if that was a Rangers player, I I would ask for him to not play again for the rest of the season. Like his body language was shocking. And the fact that he, I just said, he did the audacity to do that when your team is losing. Like, yeah. where is your head at? It's not in a Celtic strip, I'll tell you that. I know. No, like it was. If that was Morelos, like think about it, right? If if it was other way about, see if that was Morelos, do you not think the pundits and the media would have a field day with Morelos if, if he'd done something like that? Oh, yeah, Chris Sutton especially would be all over that. <laughs> oh, my God. Be... Oh, yeah, they'd be, they'd be having a field day with that, you know, but yeah, it was like, I thought it was very unprofessional, you know, like if it, obviously John Kennedy has no backbone and there was no way he was going to go through someone like Edward. And yeah. I will be scunnered if he's at Celtic next season because I don't think he wants any part of Celtic anymore because there's there's no point. Like he's yeah, his head's yeah, not in it. No you might as well take the money. Yeah, no, like absolutely. And see Edward, he obviously his long term goal is to play in a top, top league, right? The like the Premier League or the La Liga, right? Mm-hmm. And if he has any chance of making the French national team, he needs to leave Celtic. And the way Celtic is right now, it, <laughs> It's not looking good whatsoever. No, whoever comes in, they've got the, the biggest rebuilding job to do, in, I would say, in Celtic's history, honestly. It, this is a massive rebuilding job to do. And Edward, does, <laughs> he, he wants to stay clear of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I know a few Celtic people, and I've, I've came across a, a few Celtic fans that have said there's over 15 players that should leave in the summer. And over 10 that will leave in the summer. That, and they're all first team, most of them are first team starters. So that is a crazy job to do. And I just, the new the new director that came in um, and the new manager that is going to come in, they have a big, big job to do. Oh yeah, massively. And do you know the the new chief exec that's coming in, by the way? He's, a, he's not even a football guy. He's not like a proper football guy. He's a rugby yeah, guy. So he is. <laughs> he's a rub, he's like a proper rugby guy, so don't know where they've uh, popped that one from. Um, but while we're talking about it, like, who do you think will be the next Celtic manager? Because remember, a few weeks ago, they were they're all like raving about Eddie Howe. Then Eddie Howe came out and said, "I'm not saying where I'm going until summertime. I'm not uh, like speaking about any jobs that are uh, like that I'm linked with at all right now." 
So I, that's, I know that's completely, I wouldn't say out the window, but that's up for question right now. But who do you think Celtic will probably get? I think, I think the number one candidate will be Eddie Howe, just purely, purely because of the whole speculation before and the fact that you need a manager that can rebuild again. And Eddie Howe literally built Bormer from like League Two up to the Premier League. So he's he's used he's used to building teams up. So I think that will be their main candidate who I think will get it. I, don't, I really don't know. Like you can't. It's actually crazy to think that. So managers better than Neil Lennon. There's I mean there's there's probably quite a lot, but on the market, there's probably only a few I can think. Like Frank, think Frank Lampard could get the job. I don't think you'll touch it, mate, because um, <laughs> like, I think you know Frank Lampard's uh, a Rangers man. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't would, I don't think he's going to touch that one, mate, because he'll be like, if I go to Celtic, obviously I'm going to damage my links to <laughs> Rangers. And also, it's too much of a risk for him, because just say it doesn't work at Celtic, that's his managerial reputation tarnished even more so. So True. if he was to go like back down south, right, there, there will be clubs wanting to appoint him, but it won't be at the level he's wanting to get because you can't go from like Chelsea uh, and then like Celtic then potentially get sacked. Then what do you do after that? You know? So yeah. I don't see him going for it. Um, I seen a ludicrous thing today uh, in the press that oh, it's just, it was like classic, the classic Scottish son starting to put up trying to say that Josie Mourinho's in the, one of the front runners <laughs> become the next Celtic manager. Like, not a chance. Not Celtic. a chance. Like, have Celtic, have Celtic got the money to pay this guy's wages? Like, he literally just got paid off about ten million from Spurs. Got <laughs> Celtic probably couldn't even afford a quarter of his wages, let alone. Nah, there's, there's no chance. I, I genuinely think is. I actually think it's Eddie Howe, and or if another candidate that is good enough or bust, I think it's Eddie Howe or bust for Celtic. Anything, as in, like, I don't think there's any other manager. Like, I, I can think that Celtic can afford and sell and can rebuild what they have to do in the summer. I don't think there's any other manager apart from Eddie Howe right, and on the market right now that can do that. Yeah, what about Roy Keane? <laughs> I swear, wasn't his last manager career like 10 years ago? <laughs> it was uh, Ipswich, yeah. It was at Ipswich. Um, I think he left on. Mutual, con- mutual consent, <laughs> so they say. Um, but it, Roy, Roy Keane, it'll be uh, see the thing. So, see the thing. So, I like Roy Keane because I think I just love how brutally honest he is. He just he just does not hold back at all, and he's great entertainment as a pundit. And I just like his whole demeanour uh, and everything, everything about him, right? But in terms of a football manager and him managing Celtic, I would want him to get the job purely because. <laughs> and know it will be a disaster. Like, can you imagine Roy Keane trying to deal with Lee Griffiths? Like Lee Griffiths, who oh it's been well documented that he's completely not fit whatsoever. And, and we are in April, coming towards the end of the season, still not properly match fit, can't last out in, a, in 90 minutes, right? Roy Keane would have a field day with him. He will absolutely slaughter him. <laughs> I think I think Griffiths would tear up his contract <laughs> if they were yeah. in the same room. Oh no, no, absolutely. Like, um, like Griffith scored last night for Aberdeen, so he did. And uh, yeah. Chris texted me actually, and he was like, "Oh, it's Griffith scored last minute 
to equalise against Aberdeen. I hope that will make Aberdeen go out and sign him now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even Celtic fans don't want him. And Celtic fans don't want Keane either. Because, I mean, I'm not going as much as it's crazy to say, I don't, it's generally not even a level up from Neil Lennon. I agree. No, I actually agree. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely spot on because, like, what's the upgrade? You know, like Roy Keane, yes, he got Sunderland promoted, but that was 15 years ago, basically. Um, football was evolved. Exactly. Football was evolved. And Roy Keane, I don't think, can adapt to the modern game. Like, you've heard his rants on. Sky Sports about Paul Pogba and Jesse Lingard, where he was saying, mm. uh, like the rumours came out that was a bust up in the Man United dressing room, and he was like, oh, I heard they were, they were throwing hair, like, hair gel at each other, you know, like, he just has such a disdain for modern footballers nowadays, like, I think there was a footballer warming up with headphones in, and he was like, so disgusted by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just, yeah, I, I, I just think it's Eddie Howard bust for Celtic. Honestly, like you, you can't get your old managers like Martin O'Neill, Roy Keane, like even people have said Steve Clark after the Scotland thing. I don't think Steve Clark's going to leave after the Euros, unless he does terrible and gets sacked. I don't think he'll leave Scotland. Like, see, uh, like I don't think he would leave in his own accord. Actually, well, it depends, right? But see if, like, speaking of Scotland, actually, um, see if Scotland embarrass us in the Euros and we get zero points. I think he has to go, mate. Like. I'm one. Of, I'm not one of those guys that oh, yeah. like. Oh, we're just happy to be there. I, th- I think that's a pure, like tin pot mentality. And you want to go there and do well, not just be happy to be there. Yes, it's great that we're their first major tournament in about twenty-two years, right? But let's go compete. Let's give a good account of ourselves. Like, how embarrassing would it be if we turn up, get absolutely destroyed off England, Czech Republic, and Croatia, leave with zero points, and then? But yeah, then you'll see the Scotland fans after it all celebrating, well, celebrating just being there, having a wee sing-song, I'm like, yeah, I get it, that's just, no. For me, that's a loser mentality, I don't like that. We need to go like go there, compete. If we make the, the last 16, we have every right to celebrate, that's a huge achievement, you know? Yeah. But see, you just go there for a wee sing-song, no for me, but what's your mindset in that? Are you in the same boat as me? No, I agree, because I, I'm, I'm actually going to say it, Scotland generally have world-class players in the team. They generally do, and especially the youth coming up. Like, you've got your Kieran to your knees, Andrew Robertson. Scott McTominay has been amazing this season. Billy Gilmore. Like, we've just got Che Adams, who's still so young. Scotland have some amazing Premier League quality in there. And I think not even showing up to a team where you've got Czech Republic, we, sh- we, could, we can beat Croatia, They've, they've not, they're not their 2018 World Cup final best, Croatia, but they're still really good. And obviously you've got the island just below us, England. I mean, if you don't, if you don't show up against England, at least fight for Scotland. Like it, it just, it's just disgraceful. And I, I agree. I think if Steve Clark goes there and embarrasses us, he has to go. I still, I still, I still don't rate Steve Clark that highly, even though he got us to the Euros, purely because... Like, we're playing against sides that we really should beat. And even though we're winning on penalties, we've not even won a game. Like, we've won the games, but we've we've never won in 90 minutes, really. We, we're getting outplayed by Israel every time we play them. <laughs> I know. It is so frustrating. Like, see, Dan, so we got to the Euros. I'll say it now too, mate. Like, I think we got to the Euros purely just by luck. That's what it was, mate. Just purely by luck. Like, 
and everyone was like, oh, Steve Clark's a hero, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't even say that. It was, put it as well, you can say it now as well. I think Alex McLeish, if he was in charge, he probably would have got us to the Euros. It, it wasn't that hard. And what we've seen from Steve Clark so far since McLeish got sacked, not much of an upgrade. The football we are playing right now is utter dross, mate. It's, it's brutal to watch, you know. It's like, see a 4 2 3 1 system, it's staring right in front of him, and he just cannot, for the life of me, want to play it. He just wants to play so negative. I think, I think he just loves Tierney and Robertson too much that they have to both be in the team. No, I, I completely agree. I, I go into Scotland games praying we get three shots on target. <laughs> see if we had three shots on target. We've had a successful game because we went into the opposition's half. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I know what you mean. Um, but we'll, we'll go back to Rangers, actually. We've got pure sidetrack there. <laughs> don't know how we That's it, no. That's it, no, mate. But we'll go back to uh, Rangers, right? And um, we'll need to talk about... Well, Lee Griffiths came on, right? Uh, right, late on in the second half. And when I was watching the game, mate, me and Monk on that were howling when we just seen that. We're like, how desperate are Celtic getting, right? They're bringing on Lee Griffiths. So Griffiths comes on and obviously doesn't really do much, but you get Celtic a penalty. What did you make of that penalty? I thought it was completely soft. Uh, like, I thought Lee Griffiths was looking for it. There was absolutely nothing in that. If that was anywhere else in the pitch, the referee would have way play on. I I completely agree, but I will I will give some slack where I'll say football to me in the last five, ten years, especially the last five years, has with the induction of VAR in the world, has gotten so soft that at this day and age, if that was Rangers and if that was like a Rangers playing that situation, I would scream for a penalty as well. I just would, especially in this day and age. Like he literally just tapped him, but the fact that he went down and there's contact in this day and age, it can be given as a penalty. I still think it's really soft. I think it should never be a penalty if, like, the people that make the rules watch football. But yeah, I just think I just think it just shows how soft the game's got. Yeah, and uh, Edward stepped up, <laughs> and with the one and only. The greatest Scottish goalkeeper to ever grace Scottish football, Al McGregor, does his usual, saves it. And the Edward hit it, bottom left-hand corner, no ball for Al McGregor. The players are all buzzing after it. McGregor right away. Didn't care, he was like, get in line, we need to defend this. <laughs> Did you see his um, uh, match interview after it? The the journalist said, how, how, do you, how do you prepare for these penalties? And he was like, Oh, it's just a lucky dip. You go left, right, down the middle, and I got lucky. Faces <laughs> him, mate. Like absolutely nothing faces him. Like see, after the Slavia Prague game, when he made that save with his pinky in the one each game in the first leg, you'll yeah. ask him. He's like, "What oh, save you made that?" Like, like tell me, talk me through it. And he was like, "Oh, just kind of died and saved it." You know, <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> like honestly, like like the only time you'll ever see Alan McGregor happy or celebrating will be. And maybe he gets his hands on on, on that league title. <laughs> That's yeah. what makes him happy. And then after that, the next day in training or like preparing for preseason, basically. <laughs> Mate, I am amazed that this is no disrespect to Hull City. I am amazed the only club he went down in England was for Hull City. 
I know it's mental. I I can't believe that he's too good. He could to me. He's like a t- he could be a top six goalkeeper in the Premier League. No, I agree. I like he, no, he's had an incredible like, career. Yeah, because he, he when he left us in twenty twelve after we got demoted, um, I think he went to Turkey. For yeah, a Besiktas. Bit. I think it was. Yeah, he went. Yeah, I think it was there. Yeah, he went there for a bit, and it didn't work out. And then Hull got a hold of him. And then he was playing in the Premier League for all those years. And then he went down. To, then he got relegated Championship. And when Steve Gerrard was coming in, um, the he, the opportunity to get Al McGregor to be our number one was like a no brainer. And me, I would. He's he's still as good as he was. Oh, like like fourteen years ago. You know, like he's he's remarkable. It's it's actually like scary how good he is still. And it's, a, it's, it's brilliant news that he's signed a new deal. True. But it, it makes me scared as a for Rangers fans, purely because after he's gone, which will be probably in the next probably like five years, who knows, next couple of years. I, yeah. I wouldn't say five years. I'll probably say next season will most Oh, yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like, he, like who knows? Like, it could be within the next five years he'll be gone. Um, there are massive shoes to fill. <laughs> Are you saying he can Alan McGregor can play up to the age of forty-five? No, no, I'm saying like with with like he'll retire within five years. Like who knows what he's going to do because he's, he's still amazing. About, is that like, are you talking about like like him retiring, like Oli Gillen just leaving Rangers like as a coach or just like of what you meaning? No, I'm just like like retires a player. All right, no, but he's thirty-nine. There's no way he can play up to the age of forty-four. Surely <laughs> not. No, but that's what I mean. Like, believe it. Some keepers have done that, and the way he's performing, why not? He like. <laughs> He's incredible. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> At the age of 39, I can't believe he still made that save. Like, the man is a machine. <laughs> no, that, that, to be fair, right, that is true. Al McGregor is an absolute machine. He, he is was. at the age of 39. But, um, like, then, so, see what you're saying. Like, I can see what you're saying in a sense of, like, look at Buffon. Uh, because he's, like, 30... No, sorry, no, 30. He's, like, 43, 44. I thought it was 40, Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and he's still playing at UV, and apparently they want to give him a new contract. It's mental, you know? So, obviously, goalkeepers are different from, yeah, uh, like, mid, like outfield players, you know? So, that'd be interesting. Imagine that Alan McGregor playing for us at, at the age of 45. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he will. I, I think he'll retire after one or two seasons. I think um, it'll be after next season, mate. That, that's my prediction. I think he'll be like, right, I, I want to go out in a high. I, I think he'll have the mindset of, like, I don't want to outstay my welcome, you know, because look at Scott Brownlow, what he's done effectively. He's, I wouldn't say outstay his welcome, right, but he thought in his mind, yeah, you know what, one more year, I can get to 10, and look how disastrous this season's been. And let's be honest, right, Scott, Scott Brown will go down as the captain who bottled the 10 for Celtic. Honestly, I think that's what he will go down as. I mean, Celtic <laughs> fans will not like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, like that's like, no, like, see if Scott Brown won the 10, or well, Celtic won the 10, Scott Brown was captain this season, right? And they've done it. Like, Chris has said it before, Chris said it before, like, they would probably have a statue of Scott Brown outside the Celtic Park because Celtic done 10 in a row. This season was the biggest sure. season in Celtic's history and they bottled it <laughs> they did they sure. completely bottled it yeah very true especially now that they can't even win the Scottish Cup anything. no exactly <laughs> like anything I know I don't know if you've seen the pattern on Twitter actually 
We the are last dance. fans. Uh, oh, the one last dance. <laughs> oh, mate, I was cringing. That was so bad. It was like uh, it was like a photo of Brown, Edward, and Iron. It was like one last dance. And <laughs> oh, mate, I was I was tweeting about that and retweeting it. It was just so cringy. Even even Celtic fans, like decent Celtic fans. Uh, well, I'm saying decent Celtic fans, ones that aren't completely deluded. That's what I'm meaning. <laughs> um, like. The, like my pals who are basically saying, Oh my god, this pattern is absolutely cringe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they need, they need hope from somewhere, don't they? I, I just I just let them do what they do best. <laughs> okay, I know, <laughs> but see, speaking of Scott Brown, what do you make of him going to Aberdeen and he's going to be Aberdeen's assistant player? Well, basically, a player coach. I think, I think it's for Scott Brown, I think it's good. I think it's really good for Scott Brown because he's still playing like he wants to do and he's getting that managerial experience in a top four Scottish Premier League side. Um, it's going to be interesting when he plays Celtic next season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, do, you think he'll act, do you think he'll act Scott Brown-esque against no, Celtic? No, I'd be very surprised if he does, mate. I don't think he will. Like, yeah. um, he, the only thing I've seen him try to act, like, as you say, Scott Brown-esque against us this season was... Um, see the the game, uh, the whole fun game where we beat them one 0 Where Callum McGregor scored that own goal, and yeah. Neil Lennon panicked and he was like, "Oh, send Scott Brown on to try and get Morelos sent off." Where he basically tried to pretend that Morelos punched him. That was the only yeah. time I've seen him act like that. But I don't think Scott Brown has any fine right to brag or be wide basically to Rangers players because he, like he'll just get he's just embarrassing himself. Like he's got nothing to back up because of how pathetic Celtic have been this season. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like especially in old forms, Ryan Kent has his number. Like oh, that, that For the first goal, he literally sent Brown to the shops. Did like, you remember when he does like the turn and Scott Brown goes the other oh, way? Oh, that was, that was immaculate. Like, he literally oh, turned them so, so perfectly. So he did. And that just shows you, like, how slow... Brown is like Ryan Kent just has a field day with him every single time. Uh, I honestly think Scott Brown has nightmares about Ryan Kent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't blame him. Ryan Kent, Ryan Kent, as much as people, so even some Rangers fans, thinks he's inconsistent, when it's against Celtic, you know he's gonna have a field day. <laughs> oh, yeah, not 110%. Like, he just he just thrives in those occasions. And um, I just want to get this wee piece that you wrote up, Dave, right? Um, you've done some player ratings on the, the game. You've done a wee, like, a wee <laughs> thing for it. And, yes, it uh, right, I'll just, we'll just go through it, actually, right? So we'll go through the Rangers uh, team that, you, that you've done it on. Uh, so Al McGregor, an eight. Yeah, of course. Standard for yeah. Al McGregor. Always an eight. Yeah. Nathan Patterson, I would, I would give Nathan a, an eight. I would give him an eight. I would yeah. give McGregor, McGregor eight. I agree with Nathan Patterson eight. Goldson, I would, I, I would give him an eight too. Actually, I would give him an eight. Conor Goldson is an absolute rocket at the back, as you know. I would give him an eight. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just think, as, as like Rangers players were, they were just like Goldson, like Halander, um, Kamara. They didn't have to really do anything against Celtic. Like it was just to me, it was just a basically a bog standard day for them. Nothing was really exceptional from them, so that's why I was like solid, solid seven. Like it's just another day at the office. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Barisic seven, 
fair. Draw Rebo, nine. Yeah, absolutely, man of the yeah. match. Um, Scotty Arfield, oh, we need to touch on Scotty Arfield, mate. I thought he was, I, I thought he had a good game. Like, how, see how, his energy in the midfield, to him just being such a pest towards the Celtic players, when he just does not give them a moment's peace. I think I think that's superb. It's so, it's so helpful to the team and especially in the midfield. Yeah, I'm I'm so I was so happy when I saw him on the um team sheet because as I said earlier, if Rangers started out passive like they have, I think they would have lost. And Scotty Arfield didn't start the last couple of firms. The fact that I saw him on the team sheet showed to me that they're there to take it. And yeah, they did. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. Because um I'm a big fan of Scotty Arfield because that's a great point you made. Like he, 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 like, see, at times though, when he's not on the team, we can be passive and a bit slow. The tempo's not up there, but when he's in the team, the energy's there, the tempo's high, and he does the dirty work. That's what I love about him. And he came back from a lot because last season he wasn't great. And I actually thought his career at Rangers was going to be over, but he came back strong in the preseason and he's a different player. And he's, I, I'm just such a huge fan of Scotty Arfield. And uh, Stephen Davis, nine, of course, like Stephen Davis, 36 years old, still smashing it, scoring overhead kicks like it's absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I think that was his first goal of the season, by the way. <laughs> what a goal it was. I know. But he, like, he to, that's him, Davis. He doesn't score many goals, but he likes to pick and choose them, doesn't he? <laughs> he really does, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think he, I may be wrong, right? But I think the last goal he scored was against Porto. <laughs> I think so too. Unless I think I'm it was, in the Europa League group stage, that's what it was. Like, I think Davis, I Davis likes to just score in the big games. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and Glenn Kamara, of course, seven. I like that one. Um, Glenn Kamara, very solid and solid. Yeah, a very solid and good as always. Yeah, absolutely. I thought he was. He, like, I I know, like Glenn Kamara has been so consistent this season. Like even if he's not like outstanding, he's still putting in a solid good shift. I think I generally think he's. I don't. I wouldn't say underappreciated, but then I also would say he goes under the radar. I think I generally think he's unbelievable. With also how young he is, I think I think he can actually go to the top. And that's not even me being biased. He just the way he does like Joe Rebo moves, like the way he moves his feet, the way he works so hard. He he, oh, he's just to me, he's just a, a near enough complete player. He just needs to get better at shooting. <laughs> yeah, um, he's so hesitant about shooting. But remember, he scored that goal against Benfica where he shot from long range. You're like, oh my god, yeah. like Blink Kamara shooting from long range. Let's see this more often. <laughs> he's so good. I think he's so key to Rangers. I think he can't. You can't take him out of Rangers midfield. No, I agree. Yeah. Like, see, when it comes to like the midfield, it's like the first two starters, Stephen Davis and uh, Glenn Kamara, absolutely. Alfredo, uh, you gave Alfredo Morello six. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, Alfredo wasn't really up to much uh, in that he one. Just didn't do yeah, exactly. that was he had a, he had a, a, one good, a, one decent chance inside the box, which went straight at Scott Bain. Yeah. But it just it wasn't in one of Alfie's yeah. days. Ryan Ken, eight, absolutely. Uh, I agree with that one. Um, let's go into Celtic one now. <laughs> this would be, be a good laugh. Um, Scott Bain, five. Yeah, Laxell, three. <laughs> I agree with that. No, no wonder, mate, he was getting torn apart down that right-hand side, man, of Joe Arrivo and Nathan Patterson. <laughs> no wonder even, he got hold even Celtic fa- Even Celtic fans have asked him just to not play again. <laughs> 
Oh, oh mate, oh, no, he was he was god awful. Um, Ayer six. It's just probably, yeah, yeah, probably I would agree with that. And Welsh, Welsh, yeah, probably six. Kenny, uh, yeah, five. I agree with that. Ryan Christie four. <laughs> Honestly, right. Ever since the Scottish, um, he scored that goal for Scotland. He has been woeful. I have never seen such a fall from grace in in near enough all my life in the Scottish League. He, I'm, I, I rate, I actually rate Christie a lot, but this season, he he is he has been so bad. He's one of Celtic's worst players. So yeah. bad. Yeah, like no, honestly, God, man, like see the amount of good chances that boy's been given this season in terms of like like chances to score. He's just completely skied over the bar. It's actually embarrassing. So as like he he's going to be gone in the summer. There's no way he'll be staying. Oh, yeah. And I know for a fact that teams like top teams in the championship will be looking at him. So that will be his ne- next uh, de- destination. Um, yeah, Scott Brown five. Agree with that. Um, Cal McGregor four. He was he was non-existent on Sunday. By the way, he he like where was he? I actually forgot he was playing. I. I'm getting as a Scotland fan. I'm actually getting worried for Callum McGregor. I I genuinely think he's so burnt out for playing so much. Like ever since probably, I mean Celtic haven't been good really all season. But ever since probably January February, he has not been the player he, I know. And Celtic and Rangers fans should know he can be. And again on, against Rangers on Sunday, he just. But what was he doing? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, I know. And do you know what's uh, the, the, the like the alarming thing for Celtic's point of view? He's going to be the next captain, like of Celtic Football Club. And when I look at Callum McGregor, David, I don't see a leader. I don't see anything that that like. If you're a player, David, right? Would Callum McGregor inspire you? I don't think he would for me. You know, I just don't see him as a leader type at all. And like, see when he's putting on those kind of performances, the players will be looking at him. Like even next season, they'll be like, "You're meant to be our captain. We're meant to be looking at you. We're meant to be looking at you to lead by example." And you're putting in these utter garbage performances. Like, what does that say about you? You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I do. I do see where you're coming from. Um, I think, I think, I think, uh, Cal McGregor is such a sticky one. I think with next season. He, the fact that he will get a break in the summer, maybe actually potentially not, if he starts with Scotland, he could really, he could really burn himself out. And as you said, I think, yeah, maybe we don't know like behind what he's like. Maybe he's like really influential in the dressing room. But if he keeps playing the way he does with the, the zero confidence I think he has at the moment, going into next season, Playing with Scotland in the summer, I think I think he would just be too tired to even. Plus, as well, like see, yeah. see me think about it, right? See these Celtic players right now; their their confidence is absolutely shot, right? And see going into this, like going into the Euros, right? Cal McGregor's, see his like lack of confidence. I just hope that does not wear off onto the Scotland players. If you get that's me. why I'm worried. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that could wear off on the Scotland players because mm-hmm. you're know, like the players that will be in the Scotland team, like Scott McTominay, Scott McTominay. Like Kieran Tierney, like who's obviously good news. I think he's going to make the Euros. Andy Robertson, Che Adams, right? They're all in good mindsets, right? Then you're going to get people like Cal McGregor, who's low in confidence completely going into this side. 
And it's just not, I don't think it's going to work out at all. I think it's going to wear off badly on the Scotland players. And we don't want that at all. Um, uh, Mohamed El Anoussi, you gave him a five. Uh, speaking of El Anoussi, remember, uh, he, he nearly, like, uh, what was it? We were talking about Nathan Patterson's slap pass earlier on that played Edward through, and then Edward played it along to El Anoussi. And then, thank God, El Anoussi took a bad touch that McGregor yeah. came out and uh, sorted out. Um, <laughs> that was it. That was our, our big scare moment, so it was. It really was because I still like him. I'm not like I I rate Elnusi to be honest. Um, I really do think he's really good, and the fact that he did that touch it just sums up Celtic's season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's it's like hilarious. Like Celtic fans are like, oh, like if we took our chances, we would have scored them. Like yeah, but you never though. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like we defended well, and you couldn't take your chances because you's are just simply rubbish. That's the best way. <laughs> they they are like the thing is though, like it was it, like going into the game. It was just I don't, I don't know where they were getting this like blind hope from. Like I didn't understand it where they were getting optimistic and saying, "Yeah, we can do it this Sunday." Yeah, we got. The, basically, we're getting it from that one each draw because they played okay in the day and they thought, right, we can beat Rangers at Parkhead, beat Rangers at Ibrox, the champions of Scotland, who won the league title uh, in March. The earliest since 1902, won it by 20 points, and they're like, yeah, we're still the best team in Scotland. We can beat Rangers, and then we just put them in their place yet again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Edward, you gave a four, agree. David Tumble, this is the only one, right, I was surprised at, that you gave him a five, because I thought David Tumble was Celtic's best player on the pitch that day. I would have probably at least gave him, oh, God, probably just, just a seven. I would give him just a seven. Only because again, he uh, yeah, David Tumble, just a seven. I, again, I I rate David Tumble so much. I think he should be in the Scotland squad. Not even in the plane, and in, in the Scotland squad. Um definitely have Christie. Um but I like if you look Celtic had more possession than Rangers, and I'd probably say a lot of that was in their final third, in Celtic's final third with their defence. David, to me, David Turnbull, and I don't, I just, I don't, Celtic didn't show up. <laughs> I don't think anybody took the bull by the horns and actually showed up. Like I, as I said, I, I rate David Turnbull so much, and the only thing I think he actually did was a shot from like 25 yards out in the first 15 seconds of the second half. That's the only thing I can proper remember, remember what he did. No, see, in terms of one time I will give give David Tumbling, like I thought he's like his passing was good. I thought his like distribution was quite good. And I thought he, he was the only player I felt I thought like on the day that I actually cared. Like on the Celtic team, he was the only player that they tried to make something happen. And see when it came to set pieces, his delivery, let's be honest, right? He's great delivering set pieces. Yeah. His delivery on those set pieces and on Sunday were brilliant. It was the fact that Celtic players couldn't care less and they didn't get on the end of any of his balls that he was sending into the box. Yeah, I mean, maybe if I maybe I could bump up to a six, but knowing what I know David Turnbull can do from watching him, like I still think he he, he could have been involved more. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, then that's the nicest thing I've said about Celtic in this whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's the nicest thing I've said about Celtic in this podcast. Give David Turnbull. Just a seven. I'm sorry, Celtic listeners, right? But you've got two Rangers fans here on, so we've got no, we've not got a Chris a Chris on today. I'm trying to be I'm trying to be not biased. I I don't think even any 
To me, I think seven's a I we're just calling it as we see it. Like we're just calling it as we see it because there's nothing really good to say about Celtic because we're I mean. that bad right now. <laughs> I think I think seven's a pass mark. To me, a seven's a pass mark. I don't think even Celtic fans would say anybody passed marked in that team against Rangers on Sunday. Yeah, probably, yeah. But I would probably say that the only pass mark that who deserves one would be Tumble. You know? ah, yeah, no, you're probably right. Yeah. And um, no, it's uh, what, what a day it was. I, I would probably say that old firm game, for all the, the old firm games I had this season, that was the best one. Would you, would you agree? I would probably say that was my favourite one. I think my favourite one was the 1 0 win when Rangers didn't have a shot on target. That was a great one, too. <laughs> Just purely because written in the stars, played so bad, yet got a result. Oh, do you know what? What you heard this stat actually? Do you know Celtic have scored more goals against Celtic than they have against Rangers this season? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> it's so embarrassing, especially for a team like Celtic. It's so embarrassing. No, it's it's fucking superb. Excuse my language. Yeah, no, it's hilarious. Like the fact that, like what you were saying about that game in uh, at New Year's, where we didn't have a shot on target. Celtic were the better team of the day. And we still managed to win one 0 Oh, you couldn't make it up. And that was the day we won the league. That it was basically like that was the day where I actually tweeted out saying, "Dish out the winners' medals. It's over. Rangers have won the league." And we just right after that we just steamrolled it. It was like easy days, and that's where Celtic officially started to crumble even more so where they went to Dubai and then Lennon came back and he had that meltdown in the press conference and then they lost to St Mirren and <laughs> lost to Ross County. Lennon got sacked. Oh, mate, it's, he couldn't make up. And the, the, you could, honestly could not make up because this is the biggest season in their history and it, you couldn't <laughs> write a worse season <laughs> like, like for everything to fall into place, basically. What, what I would say, I 100% agree, and what I would say is that I think Rangers do need to be wary, but because Celtic cannot get any worse. Think about it like that. They cannot get any worse. So they're obviously going to improve, surely. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I think, though? Next season, I think we will win the league, right? But I don't think it'll be like the way it was this season. Oh, Only be. because like we're going to improve, right? Like Gerard and the, the like the Rangers board are under no illusions that yeah, of course Celtic are going to improve, but we need to improve, right? We've got a good squad right now. In the summer we'll bring in like even better players. And next season we will win it comfortably, I think, because only purely because the reason I think it will be comfortably because obviously we're really good and also Celtic need to rebuild that team. And I think they're at the same stage basically. The way, the way we were in 2018 where Gerard came in and he had to rebuild Rangers basically yeah. from the ground up. And I think Celtic have got maybe a two-year project on their hands where they, before they can actually give us a, a serious title challenge, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what, that's what I think. Yeah, they, they've, got, they've got a two-year rebuilding plan before they can be like, right, okay, we can challenge Rangers now because right now, it's night and day. We are light years ahead of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really want to give a prediction because purely because I want to see who their manager is and who they buy before I predict. Um, I still think, no matter what, Rangers, rightly so, will be the favourites because, as you said, they are definitely far ahead. Um, 
But I would, I, I'm very intrigued to see who they bring in and basically who they buy because they're going to have to buy a full starting eleven near enough. Yeah, for next no, season. Like, absolutely, yeah. Because that's how that's how I know like they're going to need to obviously they'll be selling Edward, they'll be selling Christie. So so yeah, like, as you said, they'll, they'll need to build like a like a, basically a new starting eleven, and also as well they've got no wingers at all. Like they need to no. get wingers. You know that's that's <laughs> a department that they've been lacking in massively. And it does not help the fact that the, the fullbacks I've got are just terrible and they haven't even got a, a good goalkeeper. Like, they've been chopping and changing goalkeepers all season long. Like, I'll say this, right? Looking at the Celtic squad from Sunday, you've only got Bain, Welsh, Turnbull and McGregor who are going to stay at Celtic. Kenny, Laxalt, Brown, Elionese's loans up, Edward's going to go. Christie is going to go. Griffiths, so many, yeah, is so gone. many players are gone. Yeah. Yeah, like that's I know it's like there's so many gone. So it's just whoever comes in, they've got a monumental task on their hands, you know. And even if they do, even if they do get Eddie Howe, right? Think about it. Right, Eddie Howe, yes, he's done well at Bournemouth. Like he's done tremendously well there, right? But the thing is, though, like he's never managed or played at a big club before, right? And see when he comes up to Celtic, if he does become the manager, he's in for a huge awakening because like the, the pressure, the intensity of managing one of the old firm is there's nothing like it, you know. So sure. that's the question. Can he cope with the pressure? Because it's fine managing Bournemouth, like no disrespect, it's fine managing Bournemouth in the EPL in the championship, right? But it's a different kettle of fish managing Celtic Football Club. I, I I pretty much agree. And that's that's what I was going to say. That's probably the only downside I can see from Eddie Howe is he's never had the pressure of winning. He's all he's only had the pressure of staying up. Yeah. So I, I completely agree with that. Like he's gonna to have to change his whole I wouldn't say mentality, but his whole determination to win. No, yeah, you're right. So that will be that will be interesting. That's why I'm I'm quite surprised that some Celtic fans get so excited about it, you know. But I'd probably say out of the candidates on the bookies list, I think that's probably the best one they can get right now. To be honest, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah 100%. Like, it was like it was different with Brendan Rodgers because Rodgers came in off the back of managing Liverpool, so he already understood right, like Matt off the understood and had the experience of managing a big club, yep. you know. So he was finding that aspect, and he done remarkably well for Celtic and you see how well he's done at Leicester so yeah that will be uh, certainly intriguing but we'll, uh, we'll move on uh, from <laughs> from that conversation and um, obviously David Rangers are through to the fifth round of the Scottish Cup this Sunday St Johnston played St Johnston last night we drew one each but oh, wasn't really fussed because the unbeaten run is still in still intact so how do you feel about this Sunday? Do you think we can get the job done against St. Johnson and uh, make our way to the semis? Um, yeah. Like, I just think Gerrard's put a whole different mentality on the side. Like, you, we've literally been, Rangers have been regarded ever since we've came back up that we cannot do Scottish, like, cup runs at all. And that's why I think Celtic fans were also positive about playing Rangers on Sunday is because Rangers and cops just can't do well. Um, but now that it's been proven they can, 
yeah, I think even though Rangers drew to St. Johnson yesterday, I didn't watch the game, but I, I assume that Rangers are, well, obviously they're going to be the favourites to go through. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was, um, you know, obviously, you know, um, the game wasn't in telly, um, and the only way you could watch it was if you paid St. Johnson TV £20. That's uh, what's wrong with football. <laughs> £20, yeah, it just shows you, like, £20 to watch it, right? So I was like, am I? <laughs> am I fucking that? <laughs> so I was like, right, he's got it is. And uh, oh, it's a nightmare trying to watch and he's got, it was like, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, you know, but it was, uh, it wasn't even, it wasn't a great game overall. St. Johnson got a penalty towards the end, which was not a penalty. Like, I did see that. It was not a penalty. Um, and they, they did score it. Liam Craig scored. Um, and But Scott Wright, though, Scott Wright scored his first goal for Rangers. Took it very well. So he did. I think he's a, I think he's a great talent. I yeah, I'm optimistic do. about me. I'm very optimistic. Like it was funny when we first signed them, Aberdeen fans were trying to downplay it, like, oh, we didn't really care about me anyway. And you're like, you're only saying that, mate, because he's joining Rangers. You know, like <laughs> Aberdeen fans deep down were gutted that he was leaving. And oh, see yeah. it since he's came here. Every game he's played in, he's at least shown an impression. You know, he's got ba- he's got bags of pace about him. He has no fear, he likes taking players on, got a good delivery as well. And yet he's one for the future, absolutely. And he's only 23 years old. Yeah, I mean, I remember Gerard earlier in the season, a couple of months back, said Scott Wright is for the future. Uh, next, he basically said next season is where we will see the real Scott Wright to develop. So I know next season we're going to see even more of him. And he even said himself that he's put on so much weight positive weight but like muscle weight that it's changing him mentally as well I cannot wait to see a winning player so young try and do his best for a big club it's, I'm so excited for his future and he, it's exciting for Scotland too this could be because Scotland winger wise we're not blessed anymore like James Forrest is always injured um, Fraser is getting old <laughs> Oh, I say old. He's 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 oh he's getting injured too. Having Scott Wright would be a brilliant asset for Scotland if he if he does what we Rangers fans hope he can do. Yeah, no, yeah, I absolutely agree because see, that's a good point what you made there, Ron's that about it's a good thing that you brought up about Scott Wright putting on weight. See, Aberdeen he was very injury prone, and I think that was because he didn't have enough weight on him and he was getting easily injured. And yeah. so I imagine Michael Beale. Uh, realised that about him and he was like right we need to put a bit more weight on you so you get less injured and so far so good uh, he's, look, he's looked absolutely superb basically uh, anytime he's playing the team so I think because he put more weight on he'll be less injury prone um, and that, I think that's a real that, that, I think that's a real oh god what can I say how can I say it like that's a real negative showing on Derek McKinney's like like management style of Scott yeah. Wright, where he didn't realise the fact that the reason he's getting injured so much is because he was basically so skinny. Yeah, I mean, even even Scott Wright said himself, the training and the nutrition and the things you have to do is night and day. Like he he, I'm pretty sure he officially said that this is what a professional club should be like, and that is a for an Ab- Aberdeen expert that is a massive insult. No offense to Aberdeen fans. Like, that's a massive thing to say, basically saying that Aberdeen didn't do it right. 
No, I completely agree. Yeah. And um, speaking of Aberdeen, actually, um, see, because we're doing the Rise of Rangers over the last uh, few weeks or so, so now we're finally back to our original content. And I, hope, and I've, uh, I appreciate all the good feedback from listeners on that series. Uh, like, like I say, we fully enjoyed doing it, so we did. Um, but yeah, Dent McInnes got sacked, so he did. <laughs> and uh, Stephen Glass is uh, taking over at Aberdeen. Um, what did you make of Dent McInnes' sacking, David? Do you think it was right, or do you think they've took too much of a risk sacking McKinnis and bringing in Stephen Glass, who has no proven track record whatsoever? Um, I think it was inevitable at, at some point. I mean, like he he brought he brought Aberdeen up to the level they were, which because like before Derek McKinnis came in, they actually weren't even that good. Um, now they're constantly the third or fourth, and that is only that is the level that Derek McKinnis has brought them. Like, I would say that's no... good, though, that I think that's where that it's well, that is very good. It's yeah. very good, but not even like I wouldn't say that like there was much progression in the last two years, especially for Aberdeen. And to be honest, they were probably even getting worse this season. So I think that the thing, the signs of no progression and slightly getting worse, I think, I, th- I, just, I just think it was time. And even though Stephen Glass hasn't. As you said, had like a man you like good career so far. I mean, early doors saying is that it's, it looks pretty good. Like, I mean, I've, I didn't watch the game yesterday, but I heard, especially like few Aberdeen fans said, like it's generally night and day the hunger you see in the players. And apparently, Aberdeen should have won against Celtic yesterday, which is already a, a massive, a massive positive from this season, considering. Uh, every, I mean, every time I've watched Aberdeen against one of the big clubs, they've just been they've just been woeful. <laughs> I, like, see, any time I've watched Aberdeen against Celtic under Derek McInnes over the last couple of years or so, it's been it's 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 been really pathetic. Like, it's almost like that McInnes is setting them up to be terrified of them mm. and they're standing off them, treating them like bloody Barcelona. It is <laughs> it was it, it, it was bad, you know. But I think Aberdeen fans should be grateful the, for the, the job that McKinnis done. Oh, yeah. At Aberdeen, because he completely transformed that club around. Mm-hmm. Because he before did. he took charge, they couldn't even get into the top six. Yeah. Uh, I think when he first took, tar- first took uh, charge, they, they finished seventh. Uh, and then the season after that, when his first season in charge, they finished, I think, fourth or third. I think they finished uh, finish third. They finished third, actually. finished third. Um, he won them a League Cup as well. And he obviously knocked Celtic out both the Cups. So you remember that one in 2014, the Scottish Cup and the League Cup. Um, so And also as well, he turned down us. Remember that in 2017? Yeah, he did, he did. Turned down us. I'll never forget that one. Like I remember at the time, I was like chomping at the bit for him to be the next Rangers manager. But looking back on it with hindsight, obviously hindsight's 2020, Um Thank God he turned it down. <laughs> Thank God. Like, see if he t- see if he was a Rangers man Rangers manager now. Look at it. I think Celtic would have got the ten. <laughs> Honestly, so do I. Yeah, I, I, think they I completely agree. Um, I mean, I just said hindsight twenty twenty bullet dodged for Rangers. That's it. Um, <laughs> bullet dodged. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just think, I just think like you saw, like as I said, there's just there's just no progression. And I think I think even Derek McInnes, like you must you must get so bored saying the same stuff every game. 
I like, hear your voice in there. Yeah, need a, need a new voice. Yeah, like it must be so boring. Like especially like I mean, Aberdeen fans weren't happy with the way they were playing. Like they were playing literally like Steve Clark football, and Aberdeen to what Dan McInnes has brought them to shouldn't be playing like that. Yeah. Because, like, because I heard that of Aberdeen fans as well. Like, some of the listeners would like say to me as well, they were just like, they were like, Scott, why are you sitting up for Denny McInnes and that? And I'm just like, yeah, be careful what you wish for. Like, the guys brought you success. Like, you're, you're finishing in European places, you're getting European football. Like, I, I was, at the time, I was saying it was too much of a risk to sack him. But they would also, as I said, they would say to me, like, like you're like not watching us full 90 minutes every week. Like, what we need to watch is utter dross. It's like, it's like the worst kind of football. It was like just once you get the ball, constant route one football, direct <laughs> football. And then when a team's coming at you, it's like 10 men, 10 men behind the ball. Like so I could see that point of view where they were coming from in that sense. But the only time will tell if it would turn out to be a risk. Me personally, I think if I would have kept McKinnis until the end of the season, and if he didn't finish in the top four then I would have got rid of him. But in his, like, if he finished the top four, I, I would have kept him. But it would, only time will tell, you know. But we'll move on from that. And uh, obviously, as I was saying earlier, like the fact that we've been out of the loop, we've well, not out of the loop, but we've been doing the Rising Rangers, uh, we've not been covering our usual Scott score shows. We need to touch on the incident, the racist incident that occurred uh, in the Rangers in Slavia Prague game with... Uh, Kadela, the Slavia Prague centre-half, where he racially abused Glenn Kamara and he got banned for 10 games, which I think is a weak and pathetic and, and uh, embarrassment punishment. He, For me, I think he should have been kicked out of the game for that. Um, it was it was utterly shameful. And Slavia Prague in this whole situation are an utter disgrace of a football club with the fact that they were trying to justify and defend this individual for racially abusing someone. But David, what was your whole take in this whole incident that occurred? It was utterly disgusting. Um, I can't say I was actually surprised um, from UFSA, to be honest. Um, I thought, I thought, like maybe, maybe like this, like this was their chance to make a stance and actually live up to their model and like show racism like the red card and but I can't say I'm surprised I think it is pathetic and I, do, I don't I mean it's not even a punishment to what has been done like he's out for two two and a half months what was it Real Ferdinand got like eight to ten months for missing a drug test yeah. are you joking me I can I can safely say I know what's worse. <laughs> yeah. Like it is I can't it just it makes me it makes me laugh and it makes me it makes me laugh because of how unsurprised I am about it and you ever just don't care don't care about racism at all and it is disgusting and I think like it's too right Obamiang deactivated his Twitter because UEFA still haven't made any progress like People should still talk about this because it is disgusting and something still needs to be done. It needs to be done. And he got three games himself banned. Yeah. I, I wonder why. Abused. I wonder why. Yeah, because he was racially abused. 
Yeah, and it, oh, of course <laughs> you're going to react like that. Like you know, like of course, like you got. Of course, you're not going to like. Do, you're not just going to sit back and take that. You're going to like you're obviously going to punch him. You know, like easily, yeah. literally racial, racially abused you. You know, like obviously, I do not condone violence, but you can understand from Kamara's perspective and oh, yeah. what him the way he felt at that time that he was just racially abused for like no reason at all. You know, and. Like, you see the thing so like as I was just saying, like the fact that Slava Pride tried to defend it, the evidence was overwhelming, right? Could that like Kadella went from his own box, right, all the way up to Glenn Kamara, covered his mouth, said something, and Kamara, who's the coolest and calmest player you ever meet, it takes a lot to get uh, to get him angry. He never gets angry, and you've seen his reaction. He was livid, and then you heard Zungu shouting. He said, "You." effing monkey right over like he said that and then Kamara went and told the skipper Golson and Golson was like he said what and Golson was full steam ahead went right up to Cadella and then when I was watching I'm like what is going on here you know it was like I was so confused and then you seen like the reaction from the the coaching staff but obviously at that time like the commentators couldn't exactly say what happened because they didn't know but then afterwards, you've seen Steven Gerrard like pointing, basically, he was on his own against the full Slavia Pride coaching staff, pointing his finger right in their face, going off his nut. At that moment in time, I was like, yeah, Kamara's been racially abused. Yeah, I mean, that, that team should have been kicked out of Europe, not even just this season, in years, for four years. Yeah, um, I, I should have at least been kicked out for two years, at least. Yep. That's a minimum. Um, it, it was disgusting, and their fans, not even from what I saw on Twitter, not even helping the situation. In fact, making it worse by the Slavio Prague ultras calling Glenn Kamara a racist slang word again. Yeah. I mean, how how much evidence do UEFA needs to punish this club? I know. I I, I don't think there was a single. I don't think there was a single player and fan in the world, apart from Slavia Prague fans, who was that much of an Arsenal fan in the last two weeks. Yeah, I know. It was I thought that was a real statement what Arsenal done where um where see when they took the knee. Yep. They they done it in a, a formation type, if you if you know what I'm saying. They done it yeah. I, I think you've seen it, they've done it in like a mad formation type. They didn't do the usual thing and they uh, I think Aubameyang went basically right up to them. Lacazette. Like yeah, no, sorry, Aubameyang. Aye, Lacazette, sorry. Uh, Lacazette went right up to them and done it. And I was like, that is that's a real statement to make. And then Arsenal absolutely battered them. Absolutely battered so them. Happy. Like, and also as well, like touching on the club Slavia Prague, when they released their statement and they were trying to say, Cadella said, you effing guy, who says that? Like, that's not even an insult, you effing guy. Like, and that's where that, when I seen that, I was like, no, like, how how embarrassing do you need to get? I mean, I don't know what went through their minds to their player walked five, ten meters to Kamara, covered up his mouth, and said, You effing guy. I don't think the club thought how stupid that would make them look. <laughs> Nobody does that. You scream saying that. You don't cover your mouth doing that. 
Yeah, exactly. And I wonder how the, the black players in the Slavia Prague team feel about that. I, I really do wonder, knowing that they are playing alongside a guy who is racist. Like, I wonder I how they feel. I, I don't even want to think about it because that is their mindset to think about. Like, yeah, I it's just so bad in them. Yeah, no, 100%, because... You know, it, like I wonder how they must feel because they, they like when they're in training with them and they're like playing alongside them. They're like, "You said that to Glenn Kamara, like, how am I meant to respect you as a person?" Like, I wonder, like you, you the way because you said that him, you you feel that about me. So, like, I, I would, would not surprise me in the summer, David, if you see some of those players walk out. It would not surprise me because that that this whole situation has absolutely ruined Slavia Prague as a club. Like anywhere they go now in Europe when they play, they will teams will be gunning for them in the sense of the sense of like we are up for this game. We are going to absolutely destroy them and knock them out of Europe because we don't want we don't want this this club anywhere near us. And and two right like what it like it wouldn't have changed the situation where. Like it helped, like racism helped, and like like the player should have been like less fined and stuff. But their club as a whole would have gained respect more if they actually came out and dealt with it instead of making excuses. But instead of that, they've just dug a grave where if you're generally not a racist, you cannot come back from. You just can't come back from it. You cannot support Slavia Prague unless you're a fan. No matter who, like who you are, yeah. And you see what you said earlier on, David, about the the, the fans. The, the the abuse they were sending Kamar Roof was disgusting. I mean, I get them like monkey emojis and stuff. It was it was it was pathetic. Their fans are the the worst of the worst. They make me sick. Like seeing some of the Instagram. Uh, messages that Kamara, you know, sorry, um, Kamara, that uh, Kamara Roof was posting on his story. It was, I felt so bad for him. It was, I couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah, it was an absolutely awful challenge and rightly sent off. Um, but it was an accident. Racism isn't an accident, and you do that on purpose to be racist. And the amount, I'm just so happy that Rangers fans and even Celtic and worldwide fans supported Kamar throughout this as well, and Glenn Kamara. Because how, even though it's such a bad situation, how also secure must you feel that you've got the backing of the whole world behind you? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I thought it was a nice gesture that Scott Brown, Scott Brown done before the old firm game uh, in March, um, where he went up to Kamara, went up to Kamara. I'm getting, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting the names mixed up. Uh, he went up to Kamara uh, before the game and uh, gave him a wee handshake and a wee hug. And I thought that was a nice gesture, you know. And like as you said, like it's really good to see that the fact that the, the whole of football is behind Glenn Kamara because it is. It is utterly shameful, and racism is like the worst thing. And, and you've you seen what happened with uh, Valencia as well uh, a few weeks oh, back, yeah. where one of their players was 
uh, racially abused and the, the, the Valencia players just walked off the park. I actually watched that game and the fact that the verdict came out that the, you know, the verdict for that game was that apparently nothing was said racist-wise. Wow. So no, the player and the club didn't get punished. But the way he reacted, I... They, obviously, there's something, there's stuff like we don't see all the evidence and everything. But that it was just such a crazy situation that apparently, like, with that reaction, he apparently wasn't... Like, he, he, the man wasn't racist to him. I, I just find that so hard to believe. Mm-hmm. What was the score in the game at that point, anyway? Um, it was nil-nil, and then the opposition team that were allegedly racist won um, at the end when they came back. So the players walked off, yep. and uh, how long were they off for? Um, it was like 15 minutes. Do you know what I wish we had done Like when that incident happened? I wish we had walked off. Same. Um, uh, but Stephen Gerrard, though, did say to Glenn Kamara, to be, it was always up to it was Glenn Kamara's decision. Stephen Gerrard did say, here, do you want to come off? Like, you want, you want the players to walk off? And Kamara was like, no, I'm fine, we'll just play out the game. You know, so that, obviously, it's up to the player if yep. they want to walk off or not. Um, but uh, see, Cadell, though, see, because his ban was from UEFA. Yeah. That means that he will not be taking part in the Euros. So I'm too right, right up him. <laughs> <laughs> too right, and too yeah. right. But no, as I was saying about Partizan earlier on, see, because the ban was from the SFA, I think that will mean he could, he can take part in the Euros. I think. I mean, it's only it's only four games now, and how many games are left of Three the actual games week? left? Um, so the fourth game could be Scottish Cup. So yeah, I think yeah, yeah, I mean, if he's on the plane. Oh, no, if he's not in the plane, mate, they'll be they'll be outraged because this guy should be in 100%. He should be starting because, as I said at the start of the podcast, like name a better right back in Scotland than Glenn Kamara. No, Glenn Kamara. Um, Liam Palmer. Okay. Well, Nathan Parson, sorry. Liam Palmer. <laughs> nowhere, near, nowhere near Nathan Parson. Um, <laughs> but before we wrap up, David, um, we need to touch on the, the chaos that has ensued over the last few days. The, the European Super League out of nowhere was emerged, but died a very slow death after two days. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Hope it never rises again. Um, with uh, the 12 teams, the, the big six, uh, Atletico Madrid, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Issa Milan, Inter Milan, uh, Juventus. They were all, uh, I think that was it, David, wasn't it? That was all the, the teams that were going to take part? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So that was all the teams that were meant to take part. What was your overall thoughts in this utter disaster? What was your reaction when you found out there's going to be a super league, um, and the the pre, like the 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 EPL, well, the the FA were going to ban the top six from the the Premier League, kick them out, um, and the the players who take part, uh, but all the players who are taking part in the European Super League could not play for their, their country. What was your whole thing? What was your whole thoughts on the thing? I thought it was a joke at first. <laughs> I generally thought it was a joke. I remember watching the Premier League um, when it got announced. It got announced like half time, um, and I thought it was a joke. And then people were saying that they're going to release statements at half nine, all the clubs. Um, so as as I did, I scrolled uh, on my United Twitter page at half nine. Didn't see anything. 
So I just thought, okay, yeah, it's a joke. Cool. Went to bed, uh, woke up the next day to pretty much every club making statements and that it's legit. And honestly, I thought I was on a holiday. Like, <laughs> I thought I was in space. I I remember I had uh, university that day and I, I had to do university work even. And I genuinely couldn't. I couldn't do anything. I... I had to know every detail. And when I saw that uh, Juventus's uh, chairman left UEFA, that's when I thought, it's actually going to happen. And by God, the absolute shock. I, I thought that would have been football gone. See, see if this would happen. Football's dead. Football is a hot, dead, buried, gone. What do you think? Um, I thought I'm basically in the same agreement with you. I thought it was a complete joke. It came out of nowhere, and I was the same as you, right? We had uh, uni that day. We had to do uni work, and um, I went out a run. And uh, when I came back, uh, I was just looking at all the news and that, right? And I was like, right, this is mental, right? But I had to put it aside to obviously finish our uni stuff, right? So once I finished that. Uh, I dug more deep into it and I'm like, this is an absolute joke. Like, no chance this can go ahead, you know. And then I watched um, Neville and Cara on Monday Night Football and they were just tremendous. So they were like just speaking so much sense. And then I think it was on the Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? I think it was. Um, Tuesday, but yeah, Tuesday, that's when teams start to drop out. Chelsea were the first team to come out. And we're like, no, we don't want any part of this due to. But I think a, a, the a big part it played in it was the one the backlash in social media and basically all over Europe. But the fact that Chelsea fans were outside of Stamford Bridge protesting them, you seen Czech come out and he was yeah. like, we're trying to work on it, trying to work on it. Czech went back in half an hour later. Chelsea pull out and then right after that, I'll quote Dave King. They'll fall like a deck of cards, deck of cards like Celtic. <laughs> and that's what happened. <laughs> you know, they just crumbled. They bottled it, they absolutely bottled it, you know. And it was so snaky how they went about it. Well, they were they were planning this for three years, mate, three years. And they only told like all the 12 clubs only told their the like the rest of the club and the managers when it was literally about to get announced, you know. Yeah. So it was so much shady dealings going on behind the scenes. You know, and I agree with you, if that happened, football would have been finito, you know. And, like, what's the interest in a European Super League, right? Like, I, I don't, like the concept was so stupid. No team can get relegated, right? You're playing, it, it's just not competitive at all. They're in their own wee bubble. They're turning these great football clubs with huge history and uh, tradition into franchises. No one wants to see that. And you know what's the common denominator with all these clubs? They've got an American influence in it, and they were basically trying to turn it into NFL teams, uh, like Major League Baseball teams. That's what they're trying to do. Like, they were trying to just turn it into a corporate entity, and that's not what English... Like, that's not what football's about. Football was for the fans. That's what that's what the, the whole motto was this week. Football was about the fans, not about these elitist owners these elitist billionaires who come into football clubs who don't have a scooby about football, they're in there to make a paycheck. And these elitist billionaires have came into football, and I'm sure you'll be in agreement with me, 
they've pretty much ruined it. You know, like, see, look at Man City. Like, if Man City, like, when Man City are doing so successful, you're like, oh, who cares? You know, like, they've, they've basically just bought these trophies because they've got, a, like, like unlimited amounts of money. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there has to be, like, a cap going forward where, like, you, you can't just keep putting so much money into clubs to where prices just get ridiculous. Like, what is it? Like, Mbappe and Haaland's now. Mbappe is, like, you have to get him for, like, 250 million. That should never happen in football. And with prices like that, Prices are just going to keep on rising. And as you said, with these owners, they're only in it for the money. And if you get all these star attractions, obviously it's going to work. But for football, that's not what as you said, that's not what football is about. And I have to actually I have to give props to the non-American owners in the Premier League. Because Man I'm pretty sure it was Man City actually when it was announced, started getting cold feet about it. And then just like that, because they start getting cold feet, Chelsea officially drop out. And now once, as you said, fall like a pack of cards, you've then got your Man Cities and then your Spurs. And then these, apparently it was the American owners driving this forward. And as you said, as you said perfectly, this is not NFL where, oh, this is teams. This is livelihood. Like people, yeah, Watford, Watford, for example, they're not as big a club as Chelsea and what so. But do you remember that game in the championship against, I think it was Leeds, one of the best games I've ever seen? At the penalty, like when Leeds had the last second penalty, then they go up the other end to get promoted, or not go to the playoff for the Premier League. That's one of the best games I've ever seen. And that was in the championship. That It's not about money. It's just... Uh, He's so bad. And you know what's crazy? The the owner of the Super League, Real Madrid president, uh, Perez. Perez. I lost it, right? When he said football's too 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 long. People oh I know. Bored. <laughs> oh no, I was like, what is he on about? Do you know why he said that? I want to tell you what his plan set was, right? Do you know how in American sports in the NFL, do you know how there's adverts every five minutes? Yeah, <laughs> that's what his plan was. So with this Super League, right? They would, they would basically would not be played in Europe, mate. It'll be played in Asia. Be played in Dubai, Saudi Arabia, China, like all. It'll be played all over there, right? Because they know the market is growing there, and they can see we can make huge profits there. So what the what they were, they were planning on doing is they play over there, and they would be charging a, a subscription service, right? So yep. basically, just say. Uh, but, like they'd be charging God knows like twenty pounds over here for us to watch Manchester United versus Barcelona. But like be charging like twenty pounds, thirty pounds, whatever for each game. If it was a uh, El Clasico, they'd be charging like fifty pounds. That was our whole mindset. They didn't care about the fans, nothing. They were they just cared about lining their own pockets. And it was it, I was really proud of the way the the big six clubs fans reacted to it, and basically the whole of Europe the way they reacted to it just lambasting this idea and protesting because I've, I've never seen the whole football community come together on one issue and agree. I've never seen that in my whole life. It was like, it was basically the whole of, basically basically the whole of Europe saying, fuck this, this is not happening. And they just forget rivalries, put that aside. We are standing together to get rid of this complete 
corporate elitist league, it was disgusting the fact that they thought they could get away with it. Yeah, I mean, football fans make football. And ultimately the fans the fans won in this this end. But what makes me nervous is that Perez came out today, I think it was, and said that the Super League hasn't ended. It's on standby. Because apparently clubs still did that binding contract where even though they've left, they're still going to have to be there. So it makes me nervous to know the fact that he's still planning on doing something different. See, to be honest, I see Perez, he's like a very, very stubborn guy. He's very hell-bent. He wants to get his ways. Like, he is, like, of course, like, there's a reason why he's the Real Madrid president, right? He's been a stubborn guy throughout his whole life. So he's determined to get this through. But right now, I think he's just delusional. There's no way it's going to happen. Like, after the reaction we've seen over the last few days, and see, the fact that the that Boris Johnson and the UK government got involved, that just shows you. And that they're looking at new laws to implement uh, on football clubs where something like this can never happen again. Because let's be honest, something like this in the future could happen again. And mm-hmm. you need to have rules in place, laws in place that it doesn't because like, it's there's so much shady stuff that, that, that goes on behind the scenes. And look at Ed Woodward. Like last week he had a conversation with the UEFA chairman and he was all happy about the UEFA Champions League format for the 2024-2025 uh, season. Then two days later, he resigns from UEFA and the, the UEFA, well, sorry, the, the, the Super League gets announced. You know, so it just shows you, like, these guys have no backbone. And they, that's how they're just hiding behind statements. Or the only person I've I seen at least make a bit, a, some sort of decent apology was the Liverpool owner. John Henry. Uh, apart from that, the, the rest of them just released cowardly statements by their PR team. Mate, even even with the, like, I agree. Like, well done. He did an apology video. Yeah, but it's too little too late. Apology video. Honest, video there's no going back. Yeah, he he. I'm not like he. Oh, every one of them, especially the Man United and Liverpool owners, they need to go. They just need to go. Yeah. They're ruining football. They like they need there needs to be like an, an administrator in every club, especially the big clubs, an administrator to cap off basically blowing money. <laughs> yeah. No, like no, I completely agree because like they're just going to continue to do it. You know, when you see all these owners, the thing is though, they can never show face in a football stadium again. They can't. Like, can you imagine the Glaziers no. trying to show up at Old Trafford? Can you imagine, like, even Daniel Levy at Spurs? Like, how can he show up at Spurs Stadium again? You know, like, it's fine right now, right? I know he's showing up now, but I mean, when fans are back, like, how can they show up yeah. when fans are there? They would get absolutely obliterated with him. <laughs> Quite rightly so, you know? And um, it was, it, like, before we finish up, David, I'll just say uh, one thing on uh, Daniel Levy uh, in Spurs. Yeah, I found it quite funny the fact that Daniel Levy sacked Spurs on the day the, the, the Super League was announced. Like just yeah, swipe, it under, swipe it under the carpet. <laughs> so I refuse to believe that he got sacked with anything else. I, yeah, Jose Mourinho was having a terrible time at Spurs, but you don't sack Jose Mourinho 
in a final when his records in a final are amazing. Like, you don't do, do you know that. Think, do you know what I think it was? I think it was because... I don't think it was anything to do with the Super League, to be honest, mate. I don't. I, I originally did, but I don't think it was anything to do with that. I think it was because there was uh, some voice note got leaked of Jamie Redknapp basically saying that... Um, uh, see, because Spurs are not... I think Spurs are outside of the top six right now, or, or they are in the top six. I'm not too mm-hmm. sure. Um, but see, something Josie's contract was that if he was out, if he was sitting outside the top seven or top six, he would get less money. So I think he seen that as a prime opportunity to sack him, you know. But obviously the news with the the Super League stuff, like we, we everyone basically forgot that one of the greatest managers of all time has just been sacked, you know. But um, do you think that we do you think that'll be it for Jose at the top level? Um, not the top level, but the Premier League, yeah. Because I mean, he can't go anywhere else. Like he, he's, there's no way he's going to Arsenal, with especially with their owners not giving him any money. Um, there's no way he gets the Liverpool job. There's no way he goes to Man City because he's played like all their rival clubs he's played with. Like there's no way. Like I think his time in the Premier League is gone, which is really sad to be honest. I love Jose. Yeah, yeah, he's one of my favourites like of all time. I like, absolutely love the guy. I just love his. His coaching style, his whole demeanour, his personality, his confidence. It's just everything about him I just love, you know. Yeah. Um, but, it's, yeah, I think he's done with the Premier League because it's the same story over and over. Like, you see Jose going to... Like, it's a three-year project with Jose, right? Jose's not a long-term manager. It, it's it's Rosie in the garden for the first couple of years. It's always the third year. It goes tits up, basically. Yeah. He ends up falling out of the playoffs. <laughs> and it just... It's just Jose. I don't know what it is, you know, but... The only other club I could see him going to right now, it won't be any of the top top clubs. I can only see him going to bloody God at him. If if it doesn't work for Pochettino at PSG, maybe there. I don't know. Um, if not, international level is his next step. Yeah, that's what I think. I think it'll be international level or maybe another team in Italy. But yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, absolutely. But David, it's been an absolute pleasure. <clears throat> of a chat and uh, guys I hope you enjoyed the episode and David where can we find you on the old Twitter uh, at David Welch and uh, David is at the end yep. and if you don't mind David I'll plug your YouTube channel if you fancy watching some fantastic movie reviews uh, check out Welshy on uh, YouTube <laughs> and uh, you get some good content there so um, until next time guys take care and we'll see you soon <laughs>